The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. I'm Pastor Matt. Welcome to the creek. If this is your first time, Ryan uh, helped you find that guest card. Uh, we we want to be good stewards with that information, and uh, we don't do anything weird with it. We don't sell it. We don't abuse it. Uh, just our way of getting some information to you. So uh, you, we will put you on our creek email list so you know what's going on. You can get that. If you're not getting that on a regular basis, um, if you'll let us know or fill out on your card uh, the, the correct email address and write it in a way that we can read it. Um, <laughs> I say that with all due respect. No, um, you know, never mind. That's going to sidetrack us. We've got a lot to cover today. But if you would fill that out, and then uh, we can get that information to you. Um, and then if it is your first time, I hope to meet you uh, in the lobby after, after this service. So uh, thank you. This is the 9 o'clock service, by the way. You know, the time changed last night. So uh, just, just making sure you're in the right place. Marine Creek Church, you know. Yeah. That way I don't want to see anybody like, oh, no. I was supposed to be in Psychology 201. We're in our uh, uh, revisiting our Foundations series from last year, and, and Foundations uh, was really about building on faith and growing in love. To, to recap that, uh, last year, God just really just was pressing on us as a church and the leadership of be ready, and we didn't know what that meant. We knew it was taking steps towards a permanent home. We knew the daycare was a launching pad. We've been here three and a half years, and God has done incredible things. And uh, we just felt be ready, and, and we didn't have any, any dirt to show you. We didn't have a facility picked out that, that God had miraculously shown us. And, and so we just stepped out in obedience and faith and said, God, we're going to do what you call us to do. We're going to be ready. And so uh, we got into our foundations campaign. It's really about laying a foundation for the future ministry of the creek, not just for our generation, but for generations to come. Because it, it, God has a desire for His church that, honestly, goes way beyond me. It goes way beyond any of us. I mean, the, the church uh, will stand through all time. It is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And, and so you're not going to stop the church. So last week we talked about seeing the house before we see the house. Because what happened in the spring of this year is uh, some conversations with a pastor that I've met with, Pastor Steve Hinton with Heartsong. Uh, we've been talking for, for really about a year and a half, and then things materialized. They had started building a facility and, and, and wasn't able to finish that. So uh, we talked about, God, are you doing something here creatively? And, and we love how God works in a creative way. Um, we have seen that over and over in this facility. Um, God says, you think you're done? No. Um, I mean, we're, we're at three services. Uh, hello, video guys. We have a video room where, where uh, we handle some overflow, and some people just don't like to be in this live room because I look better on TV. Um, so I'm just kidding, just kidding. Love you guys. <laughs> but God, every time we thought, God, we're just, what do we do? We're out of space. We're out of parking. We're out of this. God just gives us creativity, but we still felt we got to be ready. And so... Uh, What's happened through the summers, we've come into agreements with Heartsong, and, and we'll actually be taking ownership of that, that facility. We will, uh, in the process of redesigning it, which I'll show you that in a little bit, and uh, we are uh, given the opportunity for two churches to be in one location. And so both churches' identities and visions are protected, and uh, I think it's just a real creative way that God is doing something so incredible in the church, not just the creek, not just Heartsong, not just any of the churches in our community, but the church. 
But last week, before I, I told you before we see pictures or renderings of the facility, I want you to see it before you see it. I want you to get the vision before you see the walls. Because it's easy for us to get focused on the walls and, and what furniture can go here, ladies. Clutter. Guys, deer heads. Uh, it's easy for us to get sidetracked in, into thinking about what the walls look like and things. And so I wanted us to understand the vision. And, and last uh, Sunday afternoon, our, our foundation's leadership team uh, went to the facility, and we had a, a time of prayer in that in that room, uh, wide open space. It's just a shell with concrete floor and some pipes sticking up. But our foundation's leadership team, and I, I kind of figured we'd be there about 45 minutes. We are there two hours, and it was an incredible time. And it's one, I had one of those George Costanza moments driving home. Yeah, I don't know if you know George Costanza. He always remembers what he should have said after the fact. And I was like, you know what I should have done in the message today? The vision for the house is this. Do we have that picture? Do we have, this is the vision for the house. It's Jesus. We want to do everything we can to look like Jesus, to act like Jesus so that the church, as we continue to build the church, we continue to build as a body. And, and we don't get hung up on walls. We don't get hung up on where doors are placed and colors. And I mean, here's the thing about colors with me. I'm not colorblind. I'm just not color caring. Um, I lived in our first house for three years before I knew what color carpet we had. Um, and the only reason I knew that is because it had a stain on it. And I was like, that doesn't look right. But um, so I want us to make sure that's our focus. And so of all the things we do through this, I consider Foundation's campaign a failure if we raise a bunch of money, but we don't look more like Jesus. I'm not talking about the actor who played Jesus in Passion for the Christ. Some of y'all are going there. I know your cynical side and your sarcastic side. Come on, get on the the train here. Get on the bus. If we don't look more like Jesus as a result of this, it's a failure. If we go through this incredible opportunity and, and really how God has miraculously brought two local churches together to do something incredible for our community and for the kingdom, if we don't look more like Jesus as a result, it's a failure. If we get into putting in walls and paint and carpet and brick and mortar and bathrooms and all the stuff we've been talking about and, and all this, if we don't look more like Jesus, it's a failure. So I want you to see it before you see it. Now, since you've been so patient to see it before you see it, I'm going to show it to you. Are you all ready? Okay, we're just going to do this like 10 seconds a slide. Okay, so take it in. I'm just kidding. Uh, um, this is our, what called, it's called the site plan. So our architect, and I have an in with the architect. He's an incredible man of God. He's my brother, um, not just in Christ, but um, um, I've beat him up several times. And he's beat me up several times. <laughs> it's that whole growing thing, you know, when he gets to the point where he can fend for himself. But um, he has worked incredibly hard in his team uh, in just how to, uh, the vision, how do we glorify God with, with dirt and with walls. And so um, if you'll notice, I made, him, made sure he put on there that there's 100 parking spaces, which almost doubles what we have now. I just thought that was a really cool thing. Um, and uh, on the south side, we can put an overflow if we need to, but uh, going in, and there's some things we had to work with the city on, some, some permits and plans and things, and, and our architect has been incredible. He has taken the lead on working with the city of Fort Worth and working uh, through some, some 
some things about permitting um, that literally saved us thousands and thousands of dollars. So um, this is the site plan where you see the white MC is, the, is where the building footprint is. On the west side, those two rectangles, those will be yard um, so we can kick our kids out after service and say, go play football in the yard. Did y'all grow up in church, man? I grew up in a small church, and after church, man, we're playing football in the yard. I don't know. There's just something holy about that, right? Um, so everything on the south side is going to be yard, um, or we can do an overflow parking. But um, literally from here down, if you drive by, you see the sides kind of raised, and then it, it slopes off. From here down is where it slopes off. So Spring Spectacular, kids' events, church barbecues, our Q-Fest, it'd be awesome to have it at this site. So, um, you know, all you guys are going to roll up with your smokers and everything and uh, throw down. But um, that's the site plan. Let's go to the next one. This is the floor plan. Um, This kind of gives you an overview. Uh, Our prayer for this, the footprint of this facility, was not to waste any space. Um, There's minimal storage in it, and I know that that... Some people have an issue with that. Let me tell you our reasoning with that. I want every square foot of that place used for the gospel. Um, We can get storage facilities off-site. We'll maintain a church storage facility that we have now. Um, So we want every square foot um, dedicated to the gospel, not just holding clutter. Um, This is a place for us to get clutter out of our life, right? Um, So we've got the worship center. um, We've got a a couple classrooms um, the yellow-ish green gold part is the children's ministry area, and uh, that, that will be, we have the ability to maintain a secure children's area. We can do uh, some check-in stations that are throughout the lobby. Um, the bathrooms, uh, last week I got held up in line for the bathroom, and I was like, man, service is starting, I got to go after. You know, there's uh, enough bathroom facilities, so <laughs> yay. <laughs> um, and uh, we will maintain our coffee bar. So all the snacks and goodies, don't worry. We're not taking that away from you. So uh, that's the that's the floor plan. Now, let me show you a couple renderings. This is the lobby that I'm really excited about. Um, and see, here's where you're going to get caught up. Furniture. <laughs> Orange chairs. Orange chairs. 1974 called and want their chairs back. Um, uh, <laughs> Okay, see? I stand correct. Uh, but this is the lobby. The front doors are over on this side. This is the entrance to the worship center. Um, so we, we're, I guess, prophetically praying these people into our church. So when an animated person or a, a drawn person walks in, we're gonna, they're going to have just as pl- a safe place to belong as all of us real folk. Um, so this is the lobby. And let me show you the worship center. Uh, this is the worship center, so I'm excited about that. Um, the back walls, um, we've engaged different engineers, and one of the engineers uh, is an acoustic engineer, and so uh, the entire platform is is done with what they call environmental lighting. I'm like, all right, how expensive is that? Um, <laughs> you know, better be cheap. Uh, but they do all that with projections, so we can change the, the, the look of the room and the feel of the room through that. And uh, I'm excited about it, but, but here's the thing. We can see colors, we can see a lot of bright things, but, but here's the thing. That's a place where lives are going to be changed. That's a place where people who walk in, whether they're drawn or real, they're going to walk in in bondage, and we hope that through the gospel they leave transformed. We pray that they have an encounter with Jesus, man. They just intersect 
everything with Jesus, and, and everything in that moment changes. And so this isn't a room where, where we highlight us. This is a room where we highlight the cross. We highlight Jesus. And, and what I love about it is uh, it's about 285 seats, so it's more than double what we are able to fit in now. And I know some of our services, you got to lean around walls and stuff. Um, one of the things that I asked one of the engineers to do, I want to have good sight lines from every chair. And I said, you know, I know that's kind of, that, that's my thing, but I, I mean, we have people that have leaned around walls, and I want, I want a place that we can come and engage Jesus and have no distractions. My whole premise with the design is how do we minimize distractions for the cross? The cross has to be central, not just to a, a building, but it has to be central to our life. And so I wanted to show you that uh, after. So now that we've got the vision that we're to look like Jesus and you see some of the walls. Those are going to take some, start taking shape soon. Our construction schedule looks like January 16th start date and uh, being in by Easter of next year. Um, so I've, I've just, we've been pushing on that. We've been pushing. And so keep praying. Keep praying for the process. We're involved in, in the kind of the contracts of sales right now um, and the, the bankers and the funding and, and all of that stuff. So let's get on to what we're going to teach today. Um, today we're going to talk about stewardship. I mean, and, uh, this is one of those things where, um, this isn't just another money message. I'm not showing you this to then try to get money out of you. I don't have to preach you out of your money. I don't have to preach anything but Jesus. When we have an encounter with Jesus, it changes how we live life. It changes how we give. It changes how we serve. But I want to talk about foundations of stewardship. Um, and Jesus, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, here's what's, here's what's fun about doing a money message. You, you, those of you who know me, I tend to not just devote a whole weekend to money. And this ain't a money, money weekend. We're talking about stewardship. And stewardship encompasses everything in our life. God calls us to be good stewards. But here's what I find funny, and, let, and let's set some ground rules, okay, just so we can save some emails later in the week, and, and so, um, so we can save some things. I'm not here to convict you about whether or not you're giving. I'm not here to try to get your money out of you. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to preach who Jesus really is, and I'm trying to teach that, that and preach that salvation is through Christ and Christ alone and through the cross, Okay, what you do with your money is up to you, but it comes back to stewardship. What you do with your time is up to you. I, I don't have to get up here and try to guilt you into serving. I don't have to get up here and try to guilt you into giving. From the time we launched the church, we have put a giving station out, and you know what we believe about God? He's sovereign. If he wants to fund it, he'll fund it. But here's the reality. We, through our campaign and through what was committed last year, we have enough to do the process. We have enough to do the process with financing, and I'm not going to stand up here and preach against financing and tell you you need to dig into your pockets a little deeper. It's okay. You can take a deep breath, all right? It's kind of like going into the doctor's office, and you don't know what the exam's going to be like. Hey, we're just going to preach Jesus today, okay? And, and so relax. And, and if the conviction comes, I can handle it. Most of the time, whenever we preach about things that convict us, um, it kind of makes us a little angry. I'm not preaching at anyone. I'm not preaching to anyone. What we're doing is we're going we're gonna to get in and we're going to look at the truth of Scripture and understand stewardship because Jesus has a lot to say about things. He has a lot to say about stewardship because it's important. Jesus has a lot to say about money because money is really close to our heart. You know, there's a lot of us that when we can, we can, we can give up some time to go help somebody, but when they ask for money, you're like, I don't know about that. Let me pray about that. And so uh, 
let's, let's get into this. It's Mark chapter 12. So if you got your Bible, go to Mark chapter 12. That's where we're going to be. And um, well, just let me also help kind of... Um, I know some of you have grown up in church where you feel like you're nickel and dime to death or you feel like, you know, you're kind of like getting the pat down when you come in. We don't, we don't do that. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine about carnivals, and uh, one of the men who led a carnival said, here's what I've learned about things in the carnival world. And if you're a carny, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I'm just going to say, there's only two things that scare me, nuclear war and carnies. I'm just kidding. Um, but he made this comment. He said, you can only steal from people one time, but you can nickel and dime them to death. One of the commitments I made to God about leading our church is I will not nickel and dime people to death. But when God presents an opportunity, I'm going to be honest about it and say, hey, let's step up to do this. And so uh, that's, that's where we're going with this. Mark chapter 12, I'll start in verse 41. Um, this is the widow's offering. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything all she had. Now, let me, let me side note, because let's, let's go on, because, you know, the disciples may be feeling uncomfortable because like, I ain't put anything in the treasury yet, so how do we do this? So they distract Jesus. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones and what magnificent buildings. You've got to understand, the church is not called to put magnificent stones and buildings in society. The church is designed to build the body of Christ. And then Jesus goes on. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. See, Jesus had the the vision, the ability to look past a building. Let, Let me help you. We just showed you some nice pictures and renderings. There will be a day that that building will cease to stand, but the church will endure. And when our focus is building the church, then we're kind of aligning ourselves with the mission that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. Don't, don't get focused on all the, the stuff. Jesus said, focus right in here. And to tie it back to the widow's offering, Jesus is saying she gave the most even though she gave the least. How does this tie into stewardship? Let's, let's have, the, let's have a, a right understanding of stewardship. Let's get down to the heart of the matter, really. Trying to get down. Is there a song? Even if. I'm cutting it. (laughs) Developing a right understanding of stewardship. It's management. I mean, we, we like to hear, we think stewardship is a church word that as soon as you see stewardship, like yesterday, our, our tweet goes out, Pastor Matt's message, foundation of stewardship. And I was like, oh, Lord, let people show up tomorrow. I was like, you know, because you see stewardship and you're like, oh, great. Here's another money message. Stewardship is management. In your jobs, you are bombarded with management, 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 man, if you've got to manage this better, you've got to manage this thing. And, and here's the reality. God is the only one who can open eyes, 
open ears and open hearts. So he's the only one that can give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to perceive. So unless God does that for you, then this is just going to be a money message. And then, and then what's funny is that we get the criticism, somebody walking away going, well, all Matt ever talks about is money. Money, 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 money. All he wants is money. No, I want you to have a solid, thriving, growing, transformed life and a relationship with Jesus and let that begin to change the behaviors in your life. I don't have to preach behaviors. I preach Jesus. I give because Jesus has transformed my life. I serve because Jesus has transformed my life. And this management is not just money. It's, it's abilities. It's marriages. If you're not married, it's relationships. You know, even managing your single nature to be the person, to be the man or woman that God has created you to be so that when you enter into a marriage, you are everything God wants you to be in that marriage. It's relationships, it's abilities, it's time, it's everything. It's your kids, it's your food, everything. We are called to be good stewards, good managers of everything God trusts us with. And there's something we've got to understand to get into this foundation of management is we don't own anything. God owns it all. He lets us play with his stuff. You ever get, okay, we're coming up on Christmas, by the way. Time change, okay, here's what happens. You get a sugar rush from Halloween, you get time change, you get Thanksgiving, and then it is on, okay? It is Black Friday, and I leave town and let all y'all fight it out and, and all that fun stuff, and then it, here's Christmas. You remember as a kid, when you get your toys, the first thing you want to do is all your friends come over to play with your toys. But here's what you like. I don't know. Maybe I'm just revealing some of my broken nature, but I wanted them to play with my toys, but I wanted to maintain control of my toys. Oh, no, you can only play with my racetrack for a little while because that's my racetrack. You're not going to play with my remote control truck. That's mine. You can play with it for a little while. We like to play. We like to, to claim the ownership of our stuff. And then we like to lord it over other people. We don't own anything. Here's the, here's the way you can see all this in life. God owns it all and lets us play with his stuff. And he does so freely. Stewardship, the, the, the definition of stewardship is this. It's the responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. God trusts us with things that he considers worthy of caring for and preserving. And so we've got to understand that that stewardship is management. Let's get down to, the, like I said, the heart of the matter. Do we manage our life in a way that makes Jesus clear, that reflects his glory in everything? Do I, do I manage my marriage? Do I manage my relationship? Do I manage my friendships? Do I manage my money? Do I manage my time? Do I manage what giftings and talents God has given me in a way that glorifies God? I mean, we, we just got to do, be a part of the, the worship set or the song set, and, and the people on this platform have abilities and giftings that I don't possess, and they are using those to glorify God, to help lead us into the presence of God and to worship the one true God. There are giftings and abilities that, that you really experienced all through from the front door to this point. God has given you giftings and abilities. 
do you use those in a way that glorifies God? Think about time. You know, we talk about time management. I spend a lot of time in the corporate world, and, you, and you know, you're just drilled about this time management, time management. Here's a Franklin Covey planner for time management. You know, and it, let me kind of help set something straight. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. But isn't it amazing how different we treat those hours in a day? So do we manage our time in a way that can most glorify God? Or are we always running around? I didn't get this done. I didn't get this done. It's the tyranny of the urgent. Do we run around in the urgent, the urgent, the urgent, the urgent, the urgent? And God calls us to be managing what's important. It's really instead of time management, it's energy management. Where do you put your energy in those 24 hours? And are you putting your energies in the right places that God gets the most glory out of everything in your life? Stewardship is simply management. So to manage effectively, let's, let's talk about how we manage effectively. The first thing we've got to do is we, we, we've got to walk in obedience. One, one story of, of Samuel and Saul uh, in 1 Samuel 15, uh, Samuel had given King Saul specific orders to go in and wipe everything out in this, this village, the Amalekites. And he said, everything. And now that's another teaching for another day of why God would give that command. But he gave that command to Samuel to give to Saul, and Saul didn't carry it out. And so as Samuel's approaching Saul, and he hears the livestock, he, he challenges Saul. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. You weren't obedient with what the command God gave you. He goes, no, I was, I was obedient. Now he's trying to, he's going to start recon, or trying to reconcile and kind of soften the obedience. I was obedient, Samuel. What I did, I went above and beyond. I took the best of their livestock to offer as a sacrifice to God. So I, I might have disobeyed the command of God, but I did it so that I could bless God. You ever do that? You know, God, I'm disobeying what I know you've called me to do, but I'm doing it for your glory. And God's like, well, let me just read to you this. Samuel says this to Saul. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. God would much rather us walk in obedience than to keep his stuff from him so we can present his stuff back to him. He says, I would much rather you be obedient and do what I've called you to do. So so to to get into that, you've got to first understand the question, to whom am I obedient? We're, We're wired for worship. We are wired to follow. I know a lot of us like to be leaders and, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead. I want to be a leader. I want to be a leader. L- let me help you. The best way to be a leader is to be a good follower. And we're wired to follow. What are we following? Who are we following? We're called to be obedient to the Lord in all things. He's given us a trust. He's given us His stuff to manage and He calls us to manage it effectively. When we understand the ownership versus management, then we can be more obedient because we understand it's God's stuff. So God calls us to be obedient with everything He's given us. 
Remember the parable Jesus told when, when it was like a master going on a trip and he called his servants to him and he gave them talents. One he gave 10 talents, one he gave five talents, and one he gave one talent. How did he give those? Each according to his own ability. We don't all have the same amount of, I said we have 24 hours in a day, we don't all have the same amount of money. We don't have the same amount of giftings. I mean, I can't play the guitar like Ryan and Gene can play the guitar. I mean, I could get, a, I can play a mean air guitar, but I bet, I bet they're better at that because they understand the technique even better than I do. But God gives us each according to our ability, but he still calls us to be obedient with everything he's given us. Don't bury your talent. Don't say, well, I'm waiting for the right opportunity. Be obedient with what God has called you to do. So how do, how do we be o- obedient? We walk in obedience when we submit to God. So walking in obedience requires submission. Um, when we're in a right relationship with God, submission can, can come much easier because we recognize God for all he is and who he is. In Isaiah 119, um, he says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And, and there's obedience. And, and here's what you can understand. If you're a parent, you get this. Obedience can be forced. God doesn't force us into obedience. There's a story of a little boy that got kicked out of kids' church. Well, he was asked to, for his parents to come and get him out of kids' church because he, he couldn't behave. And so he's sitting, he's with his mom, and so he's there in the pew, and he stands up in the pew, and, he, and his mom's like, sit down. He's like, no. She said, sit down. Mm-mm. And you know, as a mom, you, your voice kind of gets more, sit down. And no. And she sits him down. And he looks at her, and he says, I may be sitting down, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> that would have been the last thing I would have remembered. And I'll be honest with you. I would be like, Jesus? Really? Already? It's not even Christmas yet. But uh, obedience can be forced. Submission has to be willingly given. So what Isaiah is saying is if you're not just obedient, but willing. It's, I want to. You know, I, God will discipline us to help to change our want to. Sometimes when we're in that obedience and, and defiant, defiant obedience, God's trying to work on us so that our want to change. Well, God, I don't want to. And God, re, God requires our obedience. Following him faithfully demands our obedience. Because he calls us to die to ourself. And when we die to ourself, that means all the things our flesh likes to hold on to, we have to let go. But there comes those times when, when I don't want to be obedient and God calls me to submit and that's difficult. And I, I, I love the promise, hey, you'll eat the good of the land. I, I, I'm all down with that. I want the promise, but I don't want to handle the premise. You get that? Every promise has a premise. I don't want to be willing and obedient. I want to do what you say. Give me the checklist and let me have the good of the land. And God said, no, it's a, this is a heart condition. This isn't a matter of your actions, but it's a matter of your heart. Because you, all of us, here, here's the reality. God sees the heart. 
Even if that little boy never said to his mom, I'm standing on the inside, his attitude was, I am standing on the inside. How many of us approach the throne of God and say, I'm standing on the inside? And we're not willing to say that to God because we know the discipline that might be coming from it, but God can see it. He says, if only you would willingly submit to me, you you have no idea the life that I've created for you, the, the abilities I've given you, the ways that you can glorify me that you never imagined, but you're unwilling to submit to God. So how do we submit to God? I, I believe this. Ladies, men, if you're married, you've seen this. If you're single, let, let, <clears throat> let me help you. Uh, this idea of submission is not trying to lord it over someone. Submission is, is, is trying to get under someone. When I submit, I'm willing to come under that mission, that vision. When we submit to God, we're coming under God's vision. We're coming under God's providence. We're submitting to that. Heather is called biblically to submit to me as I am also called to submit to her. Ephesians 4 is very clear about instructions of how that relationship works. And here's what I've seen in marriages. Unless there's a foundation of trust, and we can trust God with everything we've got, unless there's a foundation of trust, we're going to be unwilling to submit. I can submit to Heather because I can trust my heart, my emotions, my feelings, my failures with her. I can submit to my wife because she doesn't abuse that submission. She can submit to me because I don't abuse that submission. We can submit to God because he will not abuse our submission. And we can't abuse his submission because God does not submit to us. We can trust him with everything we've got. This was so beautiful in this this widow's offering. That it's not that that we can have pity for her and say, "Oh, she was poor," and you know Jesus was was glad that she gave everything she had. Look at the level of trust required. Look at the submission to God's providence. You know, you know we talked about promises of Scripture. God promises us that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We're promised that. How many of us really trust that? He doesn't supply all of our wants. We're getting ready to do the Christmas blessing project with the schools in our area. We've got meetings this week, and we'll start getting those lists in. And on those lists are needs and wants. And here's what we commit to the schools. We will, we will, we will cover all of the needs. We can't guarantee the wants. God does not promise all of our wants. He promises all of our needs. This widow understood the promise of God, the faithfulness and the trustworthy nature of God to say, I trust you with everything I've got. And she stepped out in obedience and faith. And she realized actually where she was given and that God had called her to manage. God's given us enough. I know we may hit those times where we need more money or we need more time and things like that, but when you step back, God's given us enough. 
Maybe what he's calling us to do is humble ourselves and submit to ourselves and say, and submit to God and say, God, help me manage more effectively what you've given me. When we launched this campaign, the word God gave me was enough. What, ha- what, what I provide will be enough. And it's been enough. And God calls us to be good stewards of what he's given us. Do we manage our life in a way that God receives the most glory with everything we got? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time today. We thank you for the truth of your word. And and Lord, we thank you that we can trust you with everything we've got. We can trust you with our money. We can trust you with our time. We can trust you with our life because we know that everything we have, every breath we have is a gift from you. And God, I pray that we... We can submit to you and be obedient enough to be such excellent, godly managers that we can manage everything even down to the breath to glorify you with everything we've got. So, Father, we're excited about this journey. We're excited about the steps you've put in front of us. We're excited to see pictures of the facility that that you saw years ago, that you saw Before time began, you knew this would happen. We're excited about that, but God, it doesn't take first place. We pray above all things that we look more like Jesus. And we ask you to continue to to mold us, refine us, shape us. Lord, continue to cut things from our heart so that we'll quit holding on to things as though we own it but we'll truly recognize you have a better vision for the things that you trust us with and we'll be effective managers. Lord, I pray right now that that one of the things that we become very good stewards of is the gospel. You've given us a platform here in this facility to share the gospel. You're giving us a platform and a new facility to share the gospel. And I pray that we're faithful in that. I pray that we're faithful in every step of our life, whether we're in the office, the the home, the stores, wherever we find ourselves, that we're faithful stewards of the gospel. And that is that you came and died for us so that we could have life. God, maybe the, the first step for our obedience is to is to put you as the rightful place as Lord and Savior of our life. But the only way we can live as obedient managers is to live as your sons and daughters. And I pray that you give us the courage to come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I I'm grateful that you've given your life so that I can have life. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to own my life and help me be the manager. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the things that I have followed with my life. I put my trust in you. Lord, I pray that we leave excellent sons and daughters. In Jesus' name. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.